You're listening to Blue Java episode 3. What the hell am I doing up at this hour? Welcome to Blue Drama. It's 3am. I don't know why I'm still up. This is the only time I can get to record. It's a little too late. It's so late it's early. I should be up in three hours. It's Saturday night. Well, Sunday morning. But I'm wide awake. I missed the window. The sleepy window. Which is normally about 11, 11.30. I could normally get to sleep about 12. But if I'm up past one, all bets are off. I spent far too long trying to hook up this, uh, the dictaphone, the microphone, directly to my recording software, rather than just recording it on the dictaphone itself and editing later. I wanted to see if I could do it into the DAW. I use Ardor. I've been tweaking the compressor, trying to get it to be at the right levels, not really knowing what I'm doing. I just need to try and get something out of this evening and just hope that I'll be tired enough to get a little bit of sleep before I have to get up again. I'm actually of the opinion I might have to stay up all night and try and get some kip later on in the day, it being Sunday. We'll have to see. This episode is a little bit late. I was trying to do every two weeks, and generally it's been every two and a half weeks, but now I'm on to my third. I don't really keep track of how long it's been since the last episode went up, because there's a long process of writing the stuff that I want to say, and then recording it, and then mixing it, and then releasing it. I'm not really in a proper uh, process yet, so... I have to start putting stuff in a calendar. So this intro was uh, long, rambled on a bit too long. Let's get into the ego report. My first notes on the ego report are my nostalgia uh, reaching epic proportions. Uh, if you remember in the last episode, I was saying about how I had turned my desktop to look like the Ubuntu desktop of about 10 years ago. Uh, right now, my desktop looks like a win Windows 3.1, which is closer to 20, 25 years ago. I've got Windows 95 style icons and Windows 3.1 style window borders. And I'm actually really liking it, which is a bit strange. There was one point which I got very, very bad, and I actually started making a window border that looked like the old Atari ST operating system. And it managed just to look quite good. I was just uh, copy-pasting images from an emulator and making it look not nice necessarily, but uh, it looked right. Um, the only trouble was I kept clicking the wrong corner on the Atari ST operating system. The top left was close and the top right was maximize, I think. Some, anyway, it's around the wrong way, so 
um, it was it was hard to to use and it didn't really look right because everything else inside the windows looked like whatever uh, modern operating systems were it would take me a bit more to learn how to make it look quite retro enough for me to keep using it other things I've been doing I uh, I have a Raspberry Pi which I've had for at least a year now and uh, I managed to get it to do something beyond being just a media center uh, I hooked up uh, one of those LED uh, RGB strips of uh, of lights and I was trying to make a like a poor man's ambilight uh, which you have stuck on the back of the television you have these strips of uh, lights which then change the lights depending on what's on the screen at the time um, to make the screen feel bigger or expand beyond the TV however the strips that I have they're not addressable you can only have one color on the whole strip at any one time so it probably wouldn't work even if I could get the software to work again my plan was then to just have it as a, like a background light but for some reason it doesn't seem as bright as when I first bought the strip um, something something it's losing its power somewhere or it could be just I'm misremembering because it's been a while since I bought the strips and uh, I played with them. The colour red just seems very, very dim, even at full uh, amplification. My biggest problem at the moment is that it uh, that the strips do not stick to the back of the television. They just uh, fall off after a while. I just need to a lot more put some tape on it rather than the, use the the stickiness that the strips already have this is the first time i've actually used the raspberry pi um ports the gpio ports properly um, and i could do some programming to make them change over time and make the different lights at different times of the day and i'm starting to get quite good at soldering as well because it did involve uh doing a circuit board to make uh, everything fit together. Uh, it's now December and so we've put up our Christmas decorations. The tree is up, um, the lights have just gone up in the garden. Last year I had hooked up uh, an old screen, well not a very old screen, it was a HD screen and put it inside a box to make it look like a fireplace and had a video running um, there, were, there were many videos on YouTube which are just of fireplaces for hours and hours so last year it was uh, I'd done a big one but this year I didn't have anything to drive the screen uh, last time I used an old netbook but uh, since then the netbook is now my daughter's uh, media machine in her room so uh, I wasn't able to use anything else but the thought struck me that I could use my old Nexus 4 smartphone and put it inside a, a shoebox and make a fireplace out of that and that looks really nice it just sits there 
flickering away. Um, I did a lot of work making it and printing out bricks onto coloured paper and it looks a lot better than what I did last year which was a very large scale. Okay, that's enough with the eager report and now we'll go over to news about Blue Drama. Just after I published the last episode, I decided to uh, also put the episodes up on YouTube with just a simple, um, just a simple image, static image with the, the audio. Um, within a couple of hours of putting up the first two episodes on YouTube, it got flagged as inappropriate. It was just very vague. I racked my brains about what it could have been. That was that was a problem. In the end, I just clicked on appeal and waited. I didn't get any email back or anything, but I just went back and, and checked and both videos had come back. So presumably everything's all right now. I don't quite understand what had gone on there. Um, perhaps someone just clicking report just for no real reason other one other than for the lulls. But it would have been nice if YouTube would have emailed me to say your videos are back, sorry about that or, or some thing. But uh, YouTube and Google as a whole are notorious for being you know, pretty vague when it comes to these sort of things. I'm just glad I'm not relying on them for for income. So hopefully I'll be able to keep going with these episodes. If any of them disappear and reappear, that's, that's probably the reason. And now the big news of the last fortnight. The Raspberry Pi Zero has been released, which is a $5 single board computer. Uh, it is very close to being, um, it's, it's as powerful as the last generation of Raspberry Pis, uh, not the Raspberry Pi 2, but the uh, A plus and B plus. It has uh, the same chip, processor chip, um, but it is overclocked up to a 1 gigahertz and has half a gig of RAM. Uh, the key thing is it's a lot smaller, it's about a quarter of the size of the other Raspberry Pis and only has uh, a small HDMI uh, connector, uh, a U one USB uh, mini, mini USB for connecting USB devices and one uh, mini USB connector for the power. Mini or micro? Micro, micro, the smallest one. The same as you'd have with your mobile phone. Um, and that's basically it. There's no network port like the, uh, the A series. And even the TPIO ports um, don't have pins on them. They are just holes. Uh, and you can add your pins when you need them. Uh, it's very cool, and the fact that it's it was so cheap that they were giving them away free on the official Raspberry Pi magazine, Magpie. 
which is probably the first computer to ever be given away for free on a magazine. Uh, unsurprisingly, they were sold out in a day, both the magazine and the um, ordering directly. So I'm waiting for them to come back uh, on sale and definitely pick one up because I found um, lots of projects and things are quite neat to have with the Raspberry Pi, but my only Raspberry Pi, which is a Bleed Plus, is tied up inside my media box. Um, not sure what I would do with it, um, but again, I'd like to do some experiments. Um, it might be nice to do a media box for my daughter, uh, connected to her TV in her room. Um, or even something in the car, some kind of car pewter. Obviously you have to have uh, adapters and, and things depending on what you're going to use for it. It's probably best for headless use, as in something that doesn't need a display. Um, but it does have sound output, but the only port that's really using the sound will be the HDMI port. So it's possibly a bit tricky to try and put uh, inside a radio or something, which is one, one of my original ideas for doing a project with the Raspberry Pi. Um, could still be done. I'd like an internet connected radio. playing but uh, trying out some older DOS games. Uh, one of the Humble Bundles recently had the original Worms which I, I got hold of because it, well, it, was, it was there and I knew I didn't have the original Worms so I put it on my Steam account and then realized it was so old that it was uh, using DOSBox which is runnable under Linux so I was able to download via Steam and then take those files and just run the Linux version of DOSBox rather than the DOSBox, the Windows DOSBox, which comes down with the Steam copy. Um, DOSBox is basically an emulator for for DOS, uh, so you can run all your old games on modern systems, Windows and Linux, and etc. etc. Um, so I had a little pair of worms and it was very interesting because I'm used to um, playing the, the, the newer one, even uh, things like with the Worms 2 era, uh, like Worms Armageddon is generally known as being the peak of the Worms series. Um, I quite enjoy the newer stuff, the uh, Revolution and uh, Clang Wars. But playing the very original, there's, there's some things in there which I find better. Uh, stuff that has been dropped in the newest uh, series. Stuff like the instant replay when you do a particularly good play, or um, the way that the worms sort of, when they throw a grenade, they're, they're kicking it, like a, they, 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 they kick it into the air with their tail and then headbutt it and header it like a football. Um, 
that's something really charming which you don't have in the newer versions. So, um, that did lead me on to some looking at some other games that I've got, which are DOS versions, which I can then run in DOSBox. So um, obviously with the the new Star Wars film coming out very soon, uh, I got into some of those the Star Wars games from the 90s, stuff like TIE Fighter and Rebel Assault, um, which I have very fond memories of. In fact, probably uh, certainly with the music, I associate the music of Star Wars with these games more than the films, because I wouldn't have necessarily had the films to hand all the time. Uh, but I would have played the games over and over again, having to restart missions and and things. Certainly with Rebel Assault, there's music in there which, you know, I, I, Rebel, it's Rebel Assault music, it's not necessarily Star Wars the movie music. Uh, one of the newer games which I've been playing um, is uh, Ronin, which is a turn-based sort of ninja game. Um, you, you, you play a character with a, a, a sort of a samurai sword, and you hop about the level very similar to Gunpoint, which is a game that came out last year. But only when it comes to sort of the... It was certainly a starting point for the developer. And um, the developer of Gunpoint, in fact, has come out as saying, like, this isn't really a copy. It's like it's, it was a starting point. Gunpoint was a starting point, but then Ronin went off in its own directions. Um, primarily because um, it's like a side-on platformer um, but the combat in Ronin because it's it is it's almost turn-based in the same way that um, FTL can be uh, turn-based because you can pause and in Ronin the action pauses as soon as like an enemy spots you or you're about to get shot or something like that so it'll it will stop and let you decide what you're going to do next and it can be very fun sort of hopping about um making sure you're not in the line of fire when you land and things like that because you see the line of fire is like a, a laser coming from the enemy's weapons and it's a lot of fun uh, throwing yourselves into enemies and knocking them flying and then slicing them up as they're falling and, but making sure that you're not about to get shot by one of the other enemies it can get very frustrating because uh, you can find yourself in an awkward situation not really knowing how to how to proceed so you're, you're constantly trying different ways of getting around uh, a particular encounter over and over again but if you have to stop for any reason you have to start the level again and there are checkpoints in the level that only uh, works if you've, you you die and then you go back to the checkpoint normally it's after you've done one of the mission objectives but if you have to stop and come out of the, the game completely then you have to start the level again I've gotten to a point where it's I've got a level which is very tough and I realized that what I should really be doing is going back to the earlier levels and playing them better 
there's three things that uh, you you try to do while playing the game that you don't set off the alarms you don't kill any innocents you don't there's there's various things which if you can do then you get a perfect score um, and you earn a skill uh, things like um, being able to string the enemies up by your um, repelling rope and uh, being able to throw your sword and uh, there were various skills which would make some of the later, there were, I say later levels, I've barely gotten a third through the game judging by um, the level select screen but it's good and I think uh, I'll try and go back and, and do the, redo these levels because I've gotten the hang of keeping out of sight and stopping the enemies from getting me. Yes, Ronin's uh, very good. I found it a little buggy at one point when I was first playing. I managed to get stuck underneath the level. Stuck underneath and I didn't know what what I should have done. If, oh, am I supposed to be here? This, this Is this like a sewer? And But no, it was. I was just somehow glitched through the, the floor and uh, was stuck on the underside of the um, the street. It's very stylized, and I really like the the music, which is good because I'm going to be hearing the music over and over again because of the way um, you're constantly failing and trying again and failing. <laughs> inside. The story so far, uh, Emma, Holly and Tim are three college friends go at a music festival. Emma's father uh, owns the land where the festival is being held and they are estranged and uh, not on good terms. We rejoin the story as Emma is reacting to a surprise drunken kiss from Tim. Suddenly she felt the, his lips on hers. His breath smelled like cider and his face was trembling. Just as suddenly he was on his back on the ground. Emma found her hands in front of her where she had shoved him violently away. She didn't mean to push him away. It had been a reflex action. Tim looked up at her. The look in his eyes terrified, humiliated and embarrassed. I'm sorry, he croaked. I'm so sorry. Before Emma could say anything, he had half crawled, half ran away into the crowd that was heading towards the concert. Emma stood staring for a few minutes, processing what had just happened. Finally, she just said one word. Shit. Lord Kelston was looking out of the big bay windows on the north side of the house. Somewhere to the west, he could hear the pounding of music from the festival, annoying but necessary to his plans. You have been watching her? he asked the other person in the room. Yes, master, came the reply. It was the creepy guy from earlier. The farmer's boy was with her, obviously on intimate terms. She is quite unsuitable. Very well, said Carsten. 
It should not hinder my plan. There is another I have in mind. Have you moved the equipment? Yes, master. The creep bowed. All is ready. Excellent, smiled Kelston. You are unbelievable, growled Holly as she tapped at her phone trying to call Tim. Can we just find him, please, said Emma, pacing back and forth. They had looked around for Tim nearby after the bulk of the crowds had moved on. It was fully dark now and the wind was picking up. Stormy clouds up high had swept in as if from nowhere. I'm not getting any signal, said Holly. Must be the storm. She took off her backpack and crouched on the ground with it. She pulled out a telescopic aerial and screwed it into her phone. What are you doing? asked Emma, barely keeping her voice calm. I can't contact the cell tower, but I might be able to track his phone directly. Holly replied, holding up her phone. We'll need to move around to triangulate the signal, though. She started walking east, the aerial high above her head. Emma followed quickly behind her. I had been telling him for months to do something about his crush on you, said Holly as she walked. Granted, a drunken snog was not the best thing, but still. I had no idea, said Emma, barely audible. Ha! laughed Holly. Lucky you. I had to be the one who was the shoulder to cry on, all wet and snotty, not fun at all. Holly stopped, adjusted something, then set off north. But you could have let him down gently, she continued. Why the hell did you push him to the ground? I didn't mean to, said Emma. Great, said Holly, really angry now. Both my friends are morons who have no control over their bodies. He shoves his lips on your face and you shove your fist in his. Emma had gone quiet. Holly turned from her ranting and saw Emma just standing there, staring into space, tears running down her cheeks. The look on his face, she said quietly. It's like I kicked a puppy. I'm sorry, babe said Holly, regretting her anger. Emma was obviously taking this very badly. Emma was the sort of person who bundled up her feelings, letting them fester inside. Even the positive feelings had little release. Holly, on the other hand, knew the power of letting your feelings out, and she constantly sought out excuses to do so. From the exhilaration of pwning a noob on an online game, to the punch-the-air moment in a TV season finale, from the tear-jerking rom-com to the shit-your-pants-scary horror movie, she loved it all. I just reacted, Emma continued. The kiss wasn't unwelcome, but I automatically shoved him away. This place has really screwed me up. Holly's phone started beeping. Got him, Holly showed Emma the screen. That's the forest, she said, suddenly worried more for Tim's safety than his emotional state. She had such a sense of foreboding about that place as long as she could remember. She wiped her face with her sleeve and strode on ahead, Holly running to catch up. Tim sat gasping at the edge of the forest, suddenly feeling very sober after throwing up behind a tree, making a mental note to disprove Holly about her theories on that subject. Holly, he thought, she'd have a field day when she heard what happened. The humiliation of it, what had he been thinking? Was it desperation, seeing that Roger bastard touching her? Seeing her smile with that horse? Had he wanted to show her he was there, that he wasn't just a loyal dog following her shadow? The taste of cider vomit was hard to shift, no gum in his pockets. He took out his phone, no one had called. 
What did that mean? Were they just laughing together back at the camp? Expecting him to come back, tail between his legs, late at night? You! The voice came from behind him. The already shaken Tim jumped out of his skin. He turned around and saw Lord Kelston. He was standing among the trees, wearing a long, white robe. Me? Tim croaked. You, said Kelston again, marching over to Tim and grabbing him by the shoulders. You were with my daughter. Y yes, stammered Tim. He noticed how Kelston's robes were woven with an intricate pattern of copper wires, like circuits. Are you a virgin? growled Kelston, his eyes boring holes into Tim. I never touched her, replied Tim, shaking like a leaf. Are you a virgin? Kelston shouted in his face. Yes, cried Tim, sobbing like a baby. Good, said Kelston, now smiling. Suddenly, everything went black for Tim. Tim, called Emma. Tim, are you here? Timbo. Holly kept checking the map on her phone. They were near to where she had triangulated Tim's phone signal. Tim, I'm sorry, shouted Emma. Please come back. She had to shout over the sound of the wind in the trees. A storm really was brewing far overhead. Look here, Holly cried, finding the pool of vomit behind the tree. He must have been here. Emma stopped and crouched nearby. She had found Tim's phone. The screen was cracked right across. Tim! Emma cried into the forest, a wobble in her voice. Hang on, said Holly, thinking of something. She rummaged inside her bag and pulled out her camera. I've got a torch on this thing. They pressed forward into the dark forest by the light of the camera. After a few minutes, they saw lights in the distance. The scene the girls came across was bizarre. A stone circle like a mini stone hinge stood at the centre of the clearing. All around the circle were floodlights, similar to the ones Emma had seen on countless night digs. On one side of the circle was an electrical generator running not only the lights, but also some strange apparatus. Holly, with her engineering and computer background, thought it looked like the bastard child of an old 70s computer bank and an even older analytical engine. In the centre of the circle was a stone slab like an altar, on it lay a figure. Both Holly and Emma walked out from the cover of the trees and towards the circle. Holly noticed that there were wires also running between the stones of the circle and that each stone was glowing faintly. Tim! shouted Emma, realising who the figure was on the altar and ran forward. Before Holly could shout a warning, she reached the edge of the circle and was thrown back by a discharge of energy. Holly ran to Emma's side. She was conscious, but dazed. What the fuck? She gasped. You seem to have been some use after all, my daughter. The voice was the one she knew all too well. Dad? Gasped Emma. Lord Kelston walked into the circle, wearing strange white robes. He adjusted the computer bank switches and turned to her. You rejected your birthright, he continued leaving me for a life of sin on the outside world. You brought back someone even more pure, a young man not tainted by sin despite being surrounded by it. A perfect gift. What do you want from him? said Emma, standing as close to the circle edge as she could. Her hair stood on end as if near a static electrical field. 
Lord Custon just started chanting as he double-checked the dials on his machines. Then, as the chanting reached a peak, he held up a dagger and plunged it into Tim's chest. A bolt of lightning from the storm clouds above struck the dagger as it pierced his body. Tim's body convulsed and red blood gushed from him. Emma's scream could not be heard over the explosion of light and noise. Okay, we can stop there, I think. Infuriating, isn't it? I'm enjoying reading this back. It's been a while since I wrote this particular version. And I think it is one of the better versions that I did. It's very schlocky and very, I don't know, my wife would complain that it's all very teenage. But, you know, I like that kind of thing. Well, I, I like writing that kind of thing. I'm not sure if I would read someone else's version. It gets pretty dark. I say dark, I mean, oh, not to spoil the ending, but it does get quite dark near the end. I still not quite gotten it right. Um, there are some things I'm not happy with, but you know, I write for fun and I'm reading this for fun. It's the first time I've sort of read it out loud and recorded, recorded it. In the next episode, you'll have some more of um, the sort of a, a dreams. You get dream sequences, and early on, I decided all the dream sequences would be written in the second person, almost like a text adventure. Uh, you know, you are, you walk, you go to, you, all of these things, which I used at the very beginning of the story as a dream in a dream sequence, and uh, the dream sequences come along uh, a bit more often from this point on there'll be one at the beginning of the next part and I thought that was quite a nice motif and I don't really I can't think of anywhere else that would use that kind of thing I'm probably going to be really embarrassed by the time we get to the end of the story because it's it's probably pretty bad but as far as I know no one's listening to this so I know the uh, second episode is, well, as far as I know, has not been listened to. No one has commented yet. I've got no feedback at all, which is fine. <laughs> I'm sort of happy that no one's listening to this. I am happy making them. Um, I'd like people to listen to it, but I also dread the time when someone's going to comment. Speaking of which, if you want to comment, uh, either a comment on the uh, episode post on my site, uh, bluedriver.com, or you can email me um, at show at bluedriver.com. Uh, the site also has a, has a page with all my contact details, so you can um, follow me on Google+. That's the main uh, site I uh, I use for my social media. I'm on Facebook, but there is a Blue Driver page on Facebook. Uh, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel and get these episodes in uh, as soon as I uh, create the YouTube version, which I'll try and do at basically at the same time as I publish the, the main version. 
Uh, obviously, you subscribe to the MP3 feed as a podcast. Um, what else? I'm on Twitter. Uh, A-U-K-O-N-D-K. Orkondk. That's my handle uh, for most things, actually. If you Google that, you should find me. I didn't introduce myself at the, at the, at the top of the episode. I'm Stephen Ward, also known as Orkondk. You've been listening to Blue Java, episode three. Please comment on the website. Be seeing you.